0: You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InnsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, on Olean public radio. in farmer days, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian-leaning. Once more, we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone Case in the middle of nowhere.
1: You're listening to KZOM. The Wall of Death by Victor Rousseau, Part Three. By this time, perhaps a third of the space within the electrified lines had been occupied by the devils. The wall was slowly and sluggishly advancing, and a fresh infiltration was drifting in on another side. As the victims were pressed closer and closer together in their flight, half of them seemed to go insane. They raced to and fro, laughing and screaming, flinging their arms aloft in extravagant gestures. One young fellow, rushing across the ground, hurled himself like a bolt from a catapult into the heart of the grisly mass, which opened and received him. There was a struggle, a convulsion. Then the mass moved on. Kay wiped his axe. He stood beside Ruth, gathering strength and breath to fight again. What else was there to do? Suddenly a humming sound came to his ears. Still some little distance from the monsters he glanced back. The victims were shouting, staring upward. Over the tops of the jungle trees K. saw a second airplane flying toward them, a larger one than the plane which he had flown. It opened its helicopter wings and drifted downward. K. saw a single pilot, and in the baggage compartment something that at first he did not recognize. Then he recognized both this object and the aviator. "'It's Cliff!' he whispered hoarsely. "'He's brought the top!' The crowd was milling about Cliff as he stepped out of the plane. Kay broke through their midst, shouting to them to clear a space, that it was their chance—their only chance. They heard him and obeyed, and Cliff and Kay clasped hands, and there was Ruth beside them. The two men carried the top out of the baggage compartment and set it up. "'Thank God I came in time,' Cliff hissed. "'How long have we got, Kay?' Five minutes, I think,' Kay answered, glancing at the oncoming wall. "'They're slow. Will it work, Cliff? God, when I found you'd gone last night—' Cliff did not answer. Ignoring Kay's offer of assistance, he fitted the top tightly into its socket of crayolite—much heavier than the former one. Beneath this, three heavy crayolite legs formed a sort of tripod. "'I looked forward to this possibility, Kay,' said Cliff, as he adjusted the top and turned the clamps that held it in position. Sorry I had to deceive you. But you were so set on the cosmic rays, and I knew the Psenium emanations wouldn't appeal to you. You wouldn't have believed. I had a hunch Ruth would draw one of those numbers. How long?" The swaying masses of gray jelly were very near them. Cliff worked feverishly at the top. "'Let me help, Cliff.' "'No, I'm through. Stand back!' shouted Cliff. Even then—he regretted it afterward, and knew that he would regret it to his dying day—he Even then the thought flashed through Kay's mind that Cliff wanted all the glory. Behind him the milling, screaming crowd was huddling as if for protection. Slowly a wisp-like tentacle protruded from the advancing wall. Kay swung his axe and lopped it from the phantom body. But the wall was almost upon them, and from the other side it was advancing rapidly. "'I'm ready. Stand back!' Cliff turned upon Kay, his face white, his voice hoarse. "'I've one request to make, Kay. Keep everyone back, including you and Ruth. Nobody is to come within twenty-five yards of this machine.' "'That shall be done,' said Kay, a little bitterness in his tone. "'Ruth, I think I'm going to save you all.' Cliff looked into the girl's face for a moment. "'Please stand back twenty-five yards,' he repeated. Kay took Ruth by the arm and drew her back. The crowd moved back, their pressure moving back the vast multitudes behind them. The vast mob was almost packed into the quarter of the Gogotha. There was scarcely room to move. Kay saw Cliff press the lever. Slowly the giant top began to whirl—faster, faster—now it was revolving so fast that it had become totally invisible. But Cliff was almost surrounded by the wall of jelly. Only his back could be seen, and then space was narrowing fast. Kay gripped Ruth's arm tightly. He held his breath the crowd, of whom only a small part knew what was taking place, was screaming with terror as the mass of jelly on the other side pressed them inexorably backward, and Cliff had almost vanished. Would the machine work? Was it possible that the Pocenium emanations would succeed where the Millikan rays, the W. ray, had failed? Then of a sudden the air grew dark as night. K. began to sneeze. He gasped for air. He was choking. He could see nothing and he strained Ruth to him convulsively, while the terrified multitudes behind him set up a last wail of despair. He could see nothing, and he stood with the axe ready for the onset of the monsters, more terrible now, in their invisibility, than before. Then of a sudden there sounded subterranean rumblings. The ground seemed to open almost under Kay's feet. He leaped back, dragging Ruth with him. Slowly the dust was settling, the darkness lessening, A faint, luminous glow overhead revealed the sun. Kay was aware that Cliff had swung the top, so that the piscenium rays were being brought to bear upon the second mass of the monsters on the other side. The sun vanished in appalling blackness. Again the dust-choked air was almost unbreathable. The shrieks of the crowd died away in wheezing gasps, and then a wilder clamor began. "'The earthquake! the earthquake!' a girl was shrilling. "'God help us all!' Kay stood still, clutching Ruth tightly in his arms. He dared not stir, for all the world seemed to be dissolving into chaos. Slowly the dust began to settle again. Perhaps five minutes passed before the sunbeams began to struggle through. A cloud of gray dust still obscured everything. But the wall of protoplasm was gone. Cliff's voice came moaning out of the murk, calling Kay's name. Kay moved forward cautiously, still holding Ruth he seemed to be skirting the edge of a vast crater. At the edge of it he found the top revolving slowly. And Cliff's voice came from beside the top. "'Kay! We've won! Don't look at me! Don't let Ruth see me! Look down!' Kay looked down into the bottomless pit, extending clear across the plain to the distant jungle, an enormous canyon cloven in the earth filled with the slowly settling cloud of dust. "'They're there, Kay. Don't look this way.' But Kay looked, and could see nothing except a pile of debris, from the bottom of which Cliff's voice issued. "'Cliff, you're not hurt?' "'A—a little. You must listen while I tell you how to clean up the monsters. It's the possenium emanation. It has the same effect when our method is applied to it. It disintegrates everything inorganic—not organic. I thought if I couldn't get them—' I'd crumble the earth away, bury them. They're underneath the debris, Kay, a mile deep, buried beneath the impalpable powder that represented the inorganic salts and minerals of the earth. They'll never get out of that. Protoplasm needs oxygen. They'll trouble us no more. You must take the top, Kay. Use our old method. You'll find its application to the pisenium emanation written in a book fastened beneath the hood. Wipe out the rest of them. If any more come you'll know how to deal with them." "'Cliff, you're not badly hurt?' Kay asked again. "'Don't look, I tell you. Keep Ruth away.' But the dust was settling fast, and suddenly Ruth uttered a scream of fear, and a strangled cry broke from Kay's throat as he looked down at what had been Cliff Hines. The man seemed to have become resolved into the same sort of protoplasm as the Earth Giants. He lay a little heap, incredibly small, incredibly distorted. Flesh without bones, shapeless lumps of flesh where arms and legs and body frame should have been. Cliff's voice came faintly. You remember the leakage through the rubber and an electron container, K. The W rays even fused the crayolite socket. The biscenium rays are stronger. They destroy even bone. They're fatal to the man who operates the machine unless he follows the directions. I've written them out for you, but I had no time to apply them." His voice broke off, then, "'Good luck to you and Ruth, Kay!' He whispered, absent inaudibly, "'Don't let her look at me!' Kay led Ruth gently away. "'Did you hear that?' she whispered, sobbing. "'He died to save us, Kay. It was like a return from the grave for the amazed boys and girls who, since the onset of the monsters had destroyed the electric lines, poured out of the plain of Golgotha to life and freedom. Many of them had gone mad, a few had died of fright, but the rest would come back to normal, and the world was saved. Hunger was their greatest problem, for despite Kay's hurried flight to the nearest occupied post it was difficult to convince the Federation officials that the devils were really gone, buried beneath a mile of crumbled earth, and Kay had to be back to mop up other, smaller bands that had spread through the forests. It was six months before the last of the monsters had been obliterated, and then Kay, now one of the highest officials in the Federation's service, was granted a Lunarian's leave of absence pending his taking command of an Antarctic expedition for the purpose of destroying the remaining monsters in their lair. He took this opportunity to be married to Ruth, in the church in his native town, which was on fete for the occasion. "'Thinking of Cliff?' Kay asked his bride as she settled in his plane, preparatory to their starting for the honeymoon in the Adirondacks. "'I think he would be happy if he knew. He saved the world, dear.' he gave his best and that was all he wanted end of part 3 and end of the wall of death by victor rousseau